0: All right, welcome to now. This is podcasting. I'm your host Connor, and I have my co-host Jaden, yeah. and former guest Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And we're going to talk about interstellar this is going to be added to our like our play our favorites playlist uh and this is my favorite my favorite movie of all time i mean i have That's like bold i have like i have like maybe close seconds uh but this is easily i think it's it's still it's on this like pedestal above them i love this movie it's has everything i want it's science fiction which i love i think if you listen to this podcast at all you know that i talk about science fiction books non-stop uh it's great performances. It's, uh, the greatest score I think I've ever heard. Like I have it on vinyl. I, I love the score to this. Mm. Uh, even kind of the weird kind of stuff that steps outside of the kind of scientific uh, kind of facts they're going for in this. It still works for me. Just everything about this film works for me. So I'm excited to talk about it.
1: It looks amazing too, which is no surprise it's done by Christopher Nolan. So
0: yeah, and it, it's a uh, uh, Hoita Hotema is his cinematographer. He's done a lot of, uh, He's done a couple of Christopher Nolan movies, like he did *Tenet* and *Dunkirk*. Yeah, uh, like but this one he, uh,
1: this is winner of best visual effects. It
0: series. was, yeah, yeah, it did. Um, he also did Spectra, the 007 movie. He did, which I was surprised he did. Her, he did all the cinematography for her. That's
1: uh the Joaquin Phoenix phone yeah. movie. It's a
0: great movie. Oh, I will yeah. never watch it. Oh, oh it, we gotta
2: talk about it. <laughs> okay, oh. well, if we have to. If I have
1: to do that, yeah. world, there's so many, no there's so many great to.
2: philosophical questions yeah. brought up by that. Um, that movie is excellent. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like that a lot. I just don't even know if I like Joaquin Phoenix. Anymore. I love Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. He I love him in Gladiator. He's just a wonderful, yeah,
0: wonderful person.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the best I think shows of all time. But let's get yeah. to this movie. But
0: he also did Ad Astra, and I think you can tell like if you've seen that movie. It has I have a, not. That's one with Brad Pitt. Yeah, he has a similar, watch that. similar look. But yeah, yeah, the, the cinematography in this is great. And then Hans Zimmer does the score. Hans Zimmer does like every score for Christopher Nolan, except yeah. Tenet, because he was doing the score for Dune. While Tenant was being made, so that's like his only, the only thing he hasn't done for Christopher Nolan is that. So
1: he did, he did all three Dark Knights.
0: Yeah, he actually talks about it. It was nice to move on for him from. It's basically like they spent years working on all the Batman movies, and so it was really nice to move on from kind of these same sort of themes throughout the three films. Yeah. Uh, you know, musically, and to find something totally new to do, which this has a really unique score to me because. Of how like big the organ isn't it like it's it's yeah. it's like the driving force of the score instead of just like kind of a background piece or it's not used as like a it, it, horror movies use it as like a kind of a it, an element Obvious. in their films yeah. or you hear it in like these like like wedding scenes or something like that but this is like this is the score like the organ is the score and then everything builds on it which yeah. is great and did you did you um, look into uh, how he came up with the score or what he was told the inspiration for right. the score was yeah it's it's really great so. Christopher Nolan basically tells Hans Zimmer, he's like, this is, I don't he doesn't tell him that what the genre of the movie is. He's pretty vague. He, he just tells him, this is a movie about a, a father and a son. And so then Hans Zimmer comes up with the piece of music that ends up becoming kind of the base for all the other uh, bits in the score. And it's not till after that, that he's, he's written this piece and Christopher Nolan hears it and likes it, that he tells him it's like, this is like a big epic sci-fi. It actually is more of a story of a father and a daughter, but Hans Zimmer was talking about how he, really connected with this and really wanted to make this amazing score because he has a son and so he he kind of tried to have that relationship like be so put no one lied to him to get
1: the better outcome yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: which is exactly i mean a director is supposed to get the best performances yeah, and the best stuff he, he did can. his job yeah yep. so it, it, i think it totally works it's it's really cool and it, it does it feels like it's this big grandiose like epic um score and it feels like emotional and it's because it came from this like emotional core to start out with, and I think you really feel that, you really hear it throughout the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, and I, I could just like wax poetic about this movie. There's just <laughs> everything about it, like uh, the performances. I think Matthew McConaughey is this is his best movie. I've uh, seen him in.
1: I'd say second best, but yeah,
0: that's tough. I don't know if this is. His and best if you're film.
1: thinking Dallas Bars Club, that is not what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about
2: Surfer Dude. Oh, okay. I'm a big Mud? fan of
1: that movie. Mud is good. M- Mud was pretty good. I'm then, talking about Surfer Dude. The movie is Troop, called
0: Surfer Dude. Really? Yeah. Oh. yeah. And then you have True Stars Detective. Him and
1: Morty Harrelson. What? Yeah. I don't know. Movie's amazing.
0: But yeah, after I saw this that's when I was like I looked at other stuff he's done like Lincoln Lawyer and everything like that. I mean, How to the, Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I have watched <laughs> that. <I> have, <laughs> that's but, a great. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like th- this movie has really got me <clears throat> to it, be more interested in Matthew McConaughey as an actor cuz he does he does like a lot of rom com type stuff before that and I was like eh, I don't care and Sahara but, uh, yeah, yeah what it was. <laughs> this is a what that was terrible why, why yeah. I didn't know that was such a um a box office
2: failure that, yeah. that was a big I mean that was a big flop
1: before this movie his like three movies before this were probably just like alright 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 yeah
0: <laughs> 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 like, so I this... didn't get it for a moment oh, oh that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> that was a good joke dude uh but this Whoa. this movie is like uh you know when people say like this had me on the edge of my seat like uh, just your kind of classic like headlines that come up uh with the with the uh the trailer to get people to go watch it yeah. some critical it. this is the first movie i was ever like l- i literally was on the edge of my seat there's a, a great i think the climax as far as like action that takes place is the, the docking scene which we'll get into i saw this in imax in all of its glory. All the great mm-hmm. sound and everything, and, and that scene's taking place, and I'm like, I literally, I like lean forward, it was on the edge of my seat watching this. Movie. This is
1: this is one of the few movies that, if it like does a re-release, I will go see it in IMAX. Oh like, yeah, absolutely, I would, or Dolby. Yeah. Like, I mean,
0: because the sound is great in this
1: too. Like yeah. It's it's very abrupt and uh, yeah. yeah. I
0: would love to see this again in theaters because yeah. this this is a movie that lends itself to being on the big screen so well. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it doesn't do it justice to like watch it at and home. like
1: I. I I saw it at home for the first time.
2: Like I've never seen it in theaters.
0: Oh, so yeah. it would be, it would be sweet to get yeah. the experience. Oh. oh my gosh. Yeah. Have you even lived? Yeah. This is yeah, uh, Calvin. I've lived. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> and I think Christopher Nolan does a great job of this. He, he, he does these really bombastic big films that just, they lend themselves to being in a theater, which is why I think he was such a big holdout on tenant being released in streaming and it yeah. had to be in theaters and it was a total bomb, which I don't think is his fault. And I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just like... That's weird. Yeah. That's not what I've heard. Oh, a lot I, people, I liked it. A lot of people absolutely hate the mix on it. It's oh, the sound the design. Worse. Yeah. The, the mix for it is terrible. It, yeah. There's parts it's where... It's too loud. Well, there's parts where it's too loud. And then there's parts where you can't hear any of the dialogue. Like, yeah. It's really crappy. It, and I... And his kind of argument for that is like people are just aren't willing to experiment and try new things. It's like it, I am trying new things for sure, but make sure I can hear the yeah. thing you're trying. I and mean,
1: that's one thing about this movie is like, I mean, people, uh, there's criticism about the score, like from other directors in Hollywood and stuff about interstellar. Cause it was too
0: loud. And then he just went way overboard in it. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I don't mind the score being loud in this.
1: Some, at some points it's a little annoying, but I think like in certain aspects, like the docking scene, like it
0: fits perfect. Oh yeah. That. Yeah. It's, it's great. Uh, and I think of a lot of his movies. This one has like has good relationships and character moments in it. I think there's some of his stuff that it's it's just such a big deal and it's just such a spectacle on screen that you kind of lose out on, it, it kind of it kind of misses some basic stuff that I think he could do better. Uh, but I think this film, it's for me, like I I buy all the relationships, I buy all the interactions. I know there's a lot of criticism of Anne Hathaway's character in this. I I, yeah. I, I I'm on board with her. I think I think it's still good. She's. She's certainly not the worst.
1: Eh. I think the worst is. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, no. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I'm I'm done going on about it. I just wanted to give my background. That I just love this movie, and yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. This
1: movie appreciate it. It deserves <laughs> love as well. It's
0: a good movie. Yeah, yeah. it is wonderful. So it had a uh, budget of 165 million, and Christopher Nolan is one of those like few directors around right now who can get a big budget to basically just do whatever the fuck he wants.
1: Yeah, because I mean, he made Batman. Yeah. incredibly successful. Yeah, so. I
0: mean. So you don't see a lot of I think directors get to execute a vision that they really want on an epic budget. There's always like a. I mean, most directors,
2: most directors, no matter the budget, really don't get a lot of uh, creative license in general. Like right. what I've heard from Ad, about Ad Astra is it was a it was a slow moving sci fi movie that got cut up, reshot, and made into something completely different and
1: people still really like that movie
2: yeah and it's probably like half as good as it originally was yeah and that's and that's the that, that's, that's the really sad part about a lot of of cinema now but so it is nice when like you know it's not like christopher nolan is the this high high-minded auteur he is an auteur to to a degree but it's more to uh lends itself to um entertainment rather than the 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 apps the actual substance.
0: Yeah, I I tend to agree with that. It, these aren't. I think he gets confused for being some like high concept director. These really aren't. Yeah, he's he's like he's like he's like the frat boys like high minded director. Yeah, yeah, it's like, like this. Like, oh is man, have you
2: seen like the greatest movie ever, Christopher Nolan? What a yeah. what a an amazing director.
1: Everything he makes is like visually stunning yeah. and just. I mean, they're, they're great quality pieces of
2: work.
0: He's good at making like a smart blockbuster. It's yeah. still just like, yeah. it's still just a blockbuster. Yeah. It's not like, it's not a high-minded. It's not an high art house movie. And yeah.
2: Yeah, it confuses yeah. the casual audience that it
0: is. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone thinks they're, yeah, they're, they're watching some, some fancy film festival movie, yeah. like, like yeah. Midsummer or something like that. It's like, this is not even close to like conceptually on the <laughs> no. same level as that yeah. movie is. So. So I, I, I rocket still, ships, like. yeah. I, still uh, I still appreciate like his movies for what they are. And oh, I think, yeah, yeah, and I think this is the best one. So yeah. And it made $701 million. So this is a, a super successful movie. Yeah.
1: I, mean, I would call his second best one, but yeah, it's good.
0: What is his first? What do you uh, think?
1: 2008's Dark Knight, dude.
0: Okay. That's fair.
1: I mean,
2: not necessarily because of him. I think it's because of Heath Ledger, but yeah. Yeah. I think just that the giving a, a landscape for that kind of performance is i mean is as uh, a marvel dude and like for fans of notice sure, i love every every marvel everything dude. that marvel comes out with. Like, i'm gonna love even if it's yeah. shitty
1: um the dark knight is the best superhero movie ever made yeah
2: no no marvel movie has ever come up to the same level i mean the like, like endgame
1: wore any like different spectacles and like yeah it's a different aspect but as far as like quality movie
0: nothing's ever been close to yeah. that yeah
2: while still being an amazing spectacle yeah yeah no,
0: it's, it's, yeah, that's a really good movie. Yeah. It's still not as good as Interstellar to me, but and I think It's I good, yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine. This is a very, very close second. To yeah. Me. Yeah. Uh, so I want to split this up. The first kind of section we'll get into is, is all this stuff that takes place on Earth from the beginning of the movie to when Cooper decides to leave. And then uh, you get into all the kind of the interview scenes where it's uh, people talking about, you know, what it's like to live with the, there's no more corn and, or there's only corn, it's like the blight happened and mm-hmm. stuff like that.
1: a lot of those interviews are actually from a 2012 pbs
0: uh documentary the dust bowl yeah Yeah. he got
2: permission from ken burns to use those i remember watching that and thinking like what are those people wearing like they should be they should be like 200 years in the future if they're that old talking about something that's happening now in like 2050 you know yeah yeah i thought that was that was weird but then to find out that they were found footage basically yeah it's, it's nice it's cool it's also interesting thinking about it's the uh, the this current state of the earth um as related to another point in history of uh american history so that's that's nice i can get past
0: that part for a little bit of continuity
1: mm-hmm. i thought it wasn't i thought it was cool when i did it
0: so i want to know do you guys think that the the blight and kind of the dire situation that humanity is in right now do you think it's set up well enough like do you do you buy it? Do you think that they should have a motivation to go to space and then try to find a new planet? Um, so
1: there's a part where they're uh, when uh, the sun is tested and they're saying like, "Hey, he's
0: gonna be a farmer." Yeah.
1: Um, and then the way that I, so hey, they do the bullshit of where they're trying to teach kids that the uh, Apollos are all faked.
0: Yeah, that that uh, it was. Which the, is not
1: fucking true. America's been on the moon. Yeah, it's um, like
0: propaganda to bankrupt the Soviet Union. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> yeah, I love that which, part. Which it's amazing to me that they said, like, I think it was amazing
2: propaganda to bankrupt the Soviet mean, The real story is still the same. You don't need prop they literally did that trying to win the space race. Yeah. So it's not even uh, yeah. necessary to say that it wasn't true, well, but it's just trying to get kids yeah. yeah. But it's just trying to get
1: kids to keep their keep their heads out of the clouds.
2: I know, but the same thing like they could have been they could have just told the real history yeah. and gotten the same effect. I thought it was a weird bit of like it is we, weird. We need to but we need to I make mean, it like the system. The United is States
1: uh, educational system has been known to lie about a few things.
0: I love Colette but, Colette Wolf is the teacher yeah, that scene. So, and I love the look on her face when like Matthew McConaughey kinda of tells her off and she's like in shock. Like yeah. but it but like me as the viewer, I'm in shock that she thinks NASA like isn't real. Like So <laughs> My thing is like the point
1: that she makes is like we should focus on Earth here mm-hmm. before we and like to be fair, like that's the way I feel right now. Okay. As far as shit goes. Like, as far as, like, we need to care of our planet not worry about this. Game. Oh, you're it, absolutely right, yeah. And uh so that's, like, that's the only kind of discord I have with it. Other than that, like, yeah, if there's no fucking food and we can't grow any
0: food. Yeah. We got to bail. We don't have a choice. Yeah, I just didn't know if maybe, because uh, I think that was, the thing big- I had heard was, like. It's a, Ugh, this doesn't make any sense. Why are they even going to space? It's like, well, cause they're all going to die. Like, yeah. Well, so it's yeah. a big point because, um, biologically it wouldn't happen
2: this way when yeah, they're talking is, about like there being not enough oxygen to, for all of the, for the type of growth to, to happen it would take like a million years. So there are better ways of setting it up. I don't think it's, it's, i don't think this was the the science that they really wanted to try and keep accurate they just needed an impetus to to go to space right so so i I I don't necessarily care
1: it's a it's a movie and it's viable as far as any other movie that i've seen so well
2: so part of the reason why it is so controversial is the inspiration of this film was actually uh the the birth um I I don't know what the word is. I don't know why I can't think of it right now. But it's uh the the concept came from a theoretical physicist and uh, his friend who was a a film producer, and they were actually introduced by Carl Sagan. So I like of this. I like to think of this film as as uh the brainchild of uh, Carl Sagan. Oh, that's what the word I'm looking for. That's brainchild. Okay. But so they met, and so the their uh their entire thing. They wanted to write a, a film, um where the purpose was that all of the science was, uh, in the film would not be like any established laws would not be violated. And any speculation would be done by, um, would be in, uh, any speculative ideas shown in it would be endorsed or, um, they would be plausible as it pertains to the scientific community. Like they weren't just going to use someone who made a speculation, but they were, you know, um, reputable scientists who put forth claims that this is possibly how uh science works and so the fact that the they kind of just like blight and just didn't right. really think about all how it really would work um is one why so many people are hung up on this one detail
0: yeah. i do like that you bring the science up um because it is a huge part of this movie and they do try to take it very seriously um so kip thorne is kind of like who they had who he's a physicist and he was kind of their <coughs> their go-to and. He basically is like, I won't be a part of this if if you guys try to deviate too far from like the laws of nature that have kind yeah. of been established, and this is kind of a, a socially or a scientifically accepted theory. It's if you guys deviate too far from that, I won't be on it. He's actually a producer. He's credited as a producer on yeah. the film, which is I think is super cool. Yeah, yeah, he
2: was on. He was on. He was the one that actually wrote all of the uh, equations on the chalkboards.
1: Really? Yeah, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it, that's, yeah, that's that's very neat. Yeah, yeah,
0: nice. So yeah, to me, I thought. Yeah, well, it's it. It didn't seem like contrived, and I thought the the blight was explained enough because they talk about like first it was this crop that went, and this is the last cro- uh, yield of like okra, o- okra we'll ever yeah. have. Or
1: and they're all like, "You dumbass, you should have grown corn." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I,
0: I just thought it was. I thought it was set up well. I, I bought it right away, and to me, that's what like makes the movie so much easier to watch. If you can understand the motivation for why they are doing these explorations to other planets, then it makes the rest of the movie so much more enjoyable if you can't if you can't get over like why are they even why are they even doing this then this movie will be tough to watch i think yeah um i think there's a valuable
1: viable reason why they're doing it yeah, yeah I, I, I think the
2: movie does a good job of making that honestly yeah. it i don't know if i care that much um about
0: the reason for it? It could have been anything. We could have been like an, an it could asteroid. It have just been
1: like, we're fucking bored of eating corn. I would have been okay with that.
0: Yeah. There. I would have hated it if it was an asteroid because then it's, you get too many deep impact Armageddon. Vibes. Well, yeah, say yeah. thing. You I'm just fly up there
1: bad. and have Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis blow it up. Yeah, yeah that, exactly. that to
0: me makes the movie so much worse. I like that it's a kind of... Like I said, this movie tricks you into thinking it's a lot smarter than it is because it's like, it's not an asteroid. It's blight and it's yeah. like, it's something that's killing all of our food and like, that's the real problem. It's not some like... It, it's not some external body that's So there are no animals them. in this movie either Zero uh, No yeah you don't see it I don't think you see, see I don't even single, think you see like birds Or a dog Like
1: Yeah that's, They're on a farm Like They'd have a dog if they could Yeah it, it, It's it, a it's, bummer
0: Yeah to me I think that sets up the That sets up the situation there And like they go yeah. to the baseball game And uh, the grandpa he's like well, The fucking well, watching the Yankees yeah. yeah I did that in quotations by the way But he's like He's like <laughs> But I, I want a hot dog. He's like popcorn is unnatural at a at a ball game. Yeah. So it just sets up like the situation they're in. Cause so I'm like, di-
1: what the fuck is a hot dog? I didn't even right.
0: realize why they would have popcorn there. Like, because
2: I mean, I've it's, eaten popcorn at at a at a baseball game before. That's crazy. Because I, I I always get a hot dog every time I go to a baseball yeah. game. Yeah, but it means just like just because everything is corn. Yeah. So that that makes sense
0: now. I just, like, 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 yeah, they're so eating I dinner. It's like it's like corn and then like corn bread Yeah. He, so, he oh, just man. he has he has very like old man get off my lawn vibes. Yeah. Like, that's I don't. Oh what is the actor's name? John Lithgow.
1: Yeah. Uh through Rock from the Sun. Yes. Yeah. His Far- name's
0: Donald. I said the grandpa, but his yeah. name's Donald. Yeah. Lord um, Farquaad from Shrek. He
1: does he plays <laughs> for that's Lord Farquaad?
0: That's
2: yeah. that's awesome. Now I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I I and that's why I was like uh when I saw him in uh the fourth season of Dexter, I was like, "Oh my god, Lord Farquaad. He plays his, his dad, cereal, right? In Dexter?" No, he's he's a he's a a, a serial killer. Okay. Is, he the, is He the Trinity killer? Yeah, he's the Trinity yeah, right. killer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that that's just that's, that's that that no that season though is amazing it's mostly sure. because of John Lithgow.
0: Yeah, I that, that oh, he's a great actor, so yeah. I wouldn't really doubt that. So yeah, exactly.
2: I um, love his voice; just the timbre is so wonderful.
1: He's definitely Lord Farquaad.
2: Like yeah.
0: now that you said it, yeah, right. Unsee <laughs> like, <I'm>, it. <laughs> yeah. I love when he like sends the knights away to go, like they do that competition to see who's going to rescue the princess, and yeah. he's like. It's a sac- he's like if you die, it's a sacrifice I'm willing, willing to, to make. pay. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good line. <laughs> but anyway, and then, uh, and, then um, and then constantly imitated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to talk about Shrek sometime. Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting film to talk about. Yeah,
2: I also love the name
0: Murphy for a girl, kind of. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and there's this kind of a cool scene. It's just before the the drones taken down, and she's like, "Why'd you guys name me after something bad?" Like Murphy's Law. It's not bad. He's like, just because it can't happen, you know, it will happen. He's like, that doesn't mean everything bad is gonna happen. Yeah, and means and everything I, good is gonna happen too. Yeah, and he's like, and your mom and I thought we were just okay with that. About like, that, uh, Murph's
1: opening line in the movie is uh, just points real quick. it's like, I thought you were a ghost, which uh, plays in later into the movie. Yeah, yeah,
0: mm. yeah. There's like, there's like little bits yeah. sprinkled in, and and I. That's why I think that the ending. Well, a lot of people have a problem with the ending. I you have zero issue with the yeah. ending. Um, I think it totally works. We'll uh, get into the ending yeah. because I I, you
2: end. know I, read Kip Thorne's book about right. all of the, the phys, like physics is actually like my first love. That's what I went to school for before I did film. But I got to the end of, um, I got to triple integrals and in calculus three. And I was like, fuck this. No yeah. <laughs> I don't like it was like it like uh, it was like it was like find the volume of this bedpost and it like looked like something out of an MC Escher painting. I was like, what is that? And yeah. there's
0: no. So that's why I'm an artist. Yeah. They, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's good that you hey, did. Physics Because is hard, this isn't a physics podcast. So you'd have no podcast to do if you were a physics major. Yeah. Well, I'd have no podcast that anyone would listen <laughs> to. <laughs> Thanks to our 50 fans. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So there's, I, so I read his whole book about like, um, what he, his speculative take on how a lot of this is going to work and as well as what is, um, scientifically, uh, the, the consensus on what's, what things would look like and what things are part of the laws. So I'll be able to talk,
0: uh, we'll be able to talk about a lot of it at the end that a lot of it is very plausible. Right. So then I want to talk about, um, Murph's talking about the ghost in the bookshelf and, I love how it, the way it starts is uh, the the lander, the lunar lander is broken, the little model he has, and that's like kind of Murph first talking about the ghost, and he's like, "Ah, you got to take better care of our stuff," and he's like, "I'm not concerned with," he's like, "You need to use science to um, explain things." He's like, "I'm I'm not concerned with like your conjecture." He's like, "You need to use the scientific method." And it, it, throughout the process, he becomes way more interested in the bookshelf as well. Like it starts out as just kind of like he's trying to brush Murph off, I think. And then he becomes like really into it. It's like slowly builds into him realizing that this might be this anomaly is something that's important. So it's it's some some anomaly with gravity is knocking these books off the shelf and they're trying to, Murph's trying to figure out what it means. And then when Cooper becomes more involved, that's when you find out it's like a, a binary code. And I think cinematically, I love that shot where, they've just left the baseball game. There's like the dust storm and Murph has left the bedroom or the door open to uh, the room with the bookshelf and you can see the the way the light and all the dust is. It's like the dust is falling in a specific way and it spells out uh, this like binary code and that's how they end up finding out like they follow those coordinates and they arrive at NASA. I just love the way that shot looks. I think just all the dust falling and the lights coming down. Yeah, it is beautiful. And then later on, Donald's like, he's like a, it's like oh, like dinner's ready or something he's like you know whenever you're done praying to that thing like yeah. i just think it's a it's a it's a cool little line because at that point now cooper is like totally involved in this yeah. like he's he's invested now and i like just the way it starts he's like oh you're breaking stuff you're not taking care of your things i don't care about your ghost yeah. and then it becomes like the more they use the scientific method to figure out what it means the more involved he becomes which i think is great and i think it really speaks to the the film wanting to be scientific Mm-hmm. And also the foreshadowing of the uh,
2: lander getting knocked off and being broken. What do you mean by that? The little model getting broken as, as it's knocked off, just like it's broken um, by man.
0: And the explosion at the end. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think about it that way. But that's that, that's a cool bit of... Yeah, I yeah. guess you're right. That is a cool bit of foreshadowing. I never thought about it that way. That's cool. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they find the coordinates. They... And I, I and I, I the movie does a good job of I think building the relationship between Murph and Cooper. Uh, they arrive at the coordinates, but it's fenced off. And uh, he's like, "I think we've reached the end of the road." She's like, "Aren't the bolt cutters in the back?" He's like, "That's my girl." <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I love their relationship, and, yeah. and I know a lot of the inspiration for the film came from Christopher Nolan and his brother uh, Jonathan Nolan wrote it, and they. It was supposed to be like a father-daughter story, but set in this like epic sci-fi setting, and I think that they captured it really well. I, I I I buy the relationship between Murph and Cooper. Well, oh, absolutely,
1: especially when she's the dog, when she's young.
0: Yeah, young Murph is I, is great, and yeah. I, I like all the because the, the, there's three kind of iterations yeah. of her um, throughout the movie, and and I think they all are really well done. And yeah, I think yeah, I, f- I could not disagree more i honestly would cut jessica
2: chastain entirely she's she's it's it's the worst part of the film and it you could cut all of those all of those scenes and this film does not change one bit no well i think it still plays into
1: the linear concept of time that's going on with that yeah but you don't even
0: yeah you don't even need it though and uh and we will explain it um yeah when we get into that section i'd love to talk about it because i just I disagree with you. So. oh yeah, I know. Don't, don't the, worry, who's uh, who
2: is the little girl that plays Merp? Uh, Mackenzie Foy.
1: She does a fucking fantastic job. Yeah, yeah. I think is. she. Yeah,
2: uh,
1: her play, her acting with Matthew McConaughey, and I'm sure that McConaughey has something to do with that, with boosting her confidence. and stuff, Yeah, because McConaughey's a good dude. Well, yeah, and, and right. you
0: get to share the screen with this big, big-time actor, yeah, so it's got to be like a uh, okay. I've, I'm, I must be good if I'm if I'm on screen. With this yeah, guy. and
1: I'm sure he was just like encouraging her the whole time. Like that's yeah. the way I picture Matthew McConaughey being. And yeah, it's just, uh, they're really together. I feel like even Oscar Green was probably pretty good. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And that's actually something that Kip uh, wrote in his book about um, Christopher Nolan said that if uh, either Matthew McConaughey or Anne Hathaway had um, questions about the sciencey stuff, the, to, to talk to him. And he said that he um, met Matthew McConaughey and they just talked for like two hours. He was like, it was like math and physics. And religion and spirituality and politics, he says, he's just like it's just like a, a wild dude, and he's so so much fun to talk about. And uh, he was talking to Linda Opst is the is his friend the producer, and uh,
0: she's like, yeah, I didn't want to spoil it for you. Uh, yeah, he's, he's so much, he's so cool to talk to. No, I imagine he's an excellent dude. Um, so when they they he cuts the the chain on the fence, and that's when you're introduced to um, Tars which is that these get described as robots. Well, wait, that's TARS? Yeah, because later on, he when he's kind of in that interrogation room, he's like, don't make me take you down again.
1: Man, I had no idea. He tases him and stuff.
0: That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, and its uh, you can tell it's uh, Bill Irwin's doing the voice. Yeah, so it's him at the beginning on the other side of the fence. You just see the flashlight. So yeah. you're sort of introduced to TARS, and I like how they do it because um, you, you think it, it's probably just a guy. Yeah, with a flashlight and a gun. Like, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah, but then Cooper wakes up and he's in this interrogation room and there's this mechanical thing in front of him and it was done on purpose because Christian Nolan was like, I don't want a robot in this. A robot is designed to like emulate human behavior. It looks like that's like kind of how they're all these bipedal, this mechanical entity, and they're all designed to kind of act like or work like a human does. And yeah. he's like, I do not want that. I wanted <laughs> something that is like completely practical. Yeah. And uh, he described them as, um, actuating machines rather than robots which i think is an excellent way to put them because it's like it's basically the the, the the same rectangle shape and it's that same shape in a different scale that just keeps opening up yeah to allow for like more uh dexterity or mobility yeah it, it's really cool the way they put them together because it is just supposed to be something that is practical like it, it's completely functional there's no style to this this machine at all And I love the way they're introduced as uh, he's like, oh, you're not a a Marine anymore. He's like, there's no armies. Yeah. And so I like the idea that like this used to be like some kind of, this was uh, a part of like a unit or whatever. It it had, it served a function before. Yeah. And now it's kind of been repurposed for this like new NASA. And it's not like, this is just the robot in the movie. It's not like a droid from Star Wars. It's nothing like that. It's like, it's so functional and purpose built. And they just kind of adapted it. I think there's a lot of kind of nods to like, this is everything is adapting like that's the world we live in now mm-hmm. yeah i love how it though it is a transformer <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> I, I think it's so cool and they do a lot of cool effects with that where it's some of it is it's a practical um like there's a person moving it uh bill irwin does the voice and he also is like the movement behind it it's like a they use like air pressure and pneumatic pumps to yeah. like move it because huh. They decided they want the exterior to be stainless steel. It started out as like an aluminum chassis and it was pretty easy to move. Yeah, But then it becomes, it's like almost 200 pounds. So they had to figure out how to like, uh, pneumatically how to get it to move. That way it could function on screen and like someone could actually move it. That first introduction is like, that's practical. Like that's on set. None of it is CGI. And then there's some scenes where the robots have more, not robots, uh, these machines have more robust movements and those are CGI, but they still have some kind of something practical on set. That way you can, visual effects artists can like use the lighting. They have some kind of reference, which I think makes the visual effect shot so much better when you're not just kind of guessing at it. You can see something to compare it to. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I do love how this leads into though, as like NASA as a shadow agency.
0: Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. yeah Cause they, uh,
1: basically underground science.
0: Yeah. Cause they say that <laughs> they, they basically NASA refused to bomb starving people. Yeah, and which, that's kind of why it gets shut down.
1: Which like that part was kind of I was like, man. But to me, that? I think it's,
0: yeah, me, I don't know it, why NASA would be the one. Yeah, yeah, but I, but I, I like that they point out that they refuse to do it. They're like, this is a agency that's meant for scientific discovery, not uh, murder, not causing harm to people. And again, I think that sets up kind of the situation that they're in. It's like it, it was so bad on Earth that they were willing to like, we're gonna cut down the population because there's not enough food. Like they're willing to go that far. So I think that adds to the it does th- that that part of the story. What do you guys think of the the whole NASA scenes in general? I think as far as the pace of this movie, it seems like pretty consistent throughout. I think it moves from beat to beat really well. I thought all the NASA stuff like it's very quickly explained that like blight is a thing. Blight's killing everything. Blight uses up all the oxygen. Uh, eventually, corn won't even be a thing. He's like a, the your daughter's generation will be the. Uh, yeah. Will be the first to suffocate.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. First, first last yeah. ones to starve, or the first ones to suffocate. Yeah. yeah, and
0: so I think it speeds through that, and then they go like, "How did you find this place?" Like, you need to be very specific with us, and yeah. it's like, "Oh, it's an anomaly or whatever." And I, I think they speed through those scenes really quickly. Uh, that to me is like the only part of the pacing of this movie that I was like, "Oh, I mean, yeah. either either linger on it and explain it better or." skip the stuff because we already talked about blight so you don't really need to go into it more it's yeah it's already in the it's already in the the rules of the science of the film like we understand
2: what's going on and why um nasa would be doing the things he's doing yeah Yeah.
0: there's one because you're introduced to uh professor bran and that and and cooper knows him because he used to be a pilot for nasa and so they know each other and there's a scene where they're like in a boardroom it looks like kind of discussing stuff and then all of a sudden he's like did you notice the shape of the structure it's a centrifuge or whatever and then it like cuts to them like outside of the boardroom and then it cuts them back into the boardroom where they continue discussing like the Lazarus missions and stuff like that yeah I think the editing there is is wonky I think if I have to knock any part of the movie like this is it I think it's I think it's too fast it's either too fast or with a lot of exposition
2: yeah this, i mean it's a pretty typical christopher nolan thing with a, an immense amount of expositions it's not really necessary there's there's enough that we can kind of we can kind of get you know we yeah. kind of understand
1: And there's one point that i read on the internet um which i i don't agree with this but uh some fan theories were like like why wouldn't matthew McConaughey's character already be a part of nasa
2: again
0: yeah
1: i mean it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but
0: yeah, I guess the if world's you're,
1: fucked up. I mean, things happen.
0: So they say that they first noticed the anomalies fifty years ago, forty-eight. Yeah, forty-eight. But yeah, <laughs> same difference. Did you? Did we even watch the same? Movie? <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! I was, I was ballparking. It's fine. Um,
1: uh, ballpark. There's two baseball scenes in this movie. So.
0: So yeah, I, I I kind of agree with that. So if they knew this anomaly existed, and they knew that they were going to do these missions, and they need a pilot for it, they knew. I mean before, I, I mean before Matthew McConaughey is even born, yeah, they know about this anomaly, and then they find out there's the, the the wormhole out by Saturn, and so like they would they would know that they need a pilot. So yeah. why wouldn't they? And well, I, wonder... I don't know when they knew
2: that the blight was going to be something that would kill them within their lifetime. Okay, that's fair. And I don't know if they knew when. that the wormhole was a wormhole at what point they figured that out because that's the there's a lot of physics that we don't know yet we haven't actually been able to observe it's an anomaly but we don't know we don't know what it would what it would look like in real life how we would actually um be able to detect it and uh observe it so that's the other thing it's like this it might actually like i suppose it would have had to been quick, though, because the, the Lazarus missions were 10 years ago. So that's 38 years after Discovery. So you're talking about probably halfway uh, the midpoint between first Discovery of Anomaly and current day. And like how
1: long ago was Matthew Conway changed from a pilot to a farmer. Yeah.
0: So I, I, I actually agree with that idea. It's like if this was going to be a mission they were going to go on and they even say like, oh, Cooper, you're our best pilot call your best pilot to be a part of this what like yeah they they did say that he thought he was dead but i don't know why mm-hmm. yeah that's again uh, i think there's a lot of stuff in this movie that tricks you into thinking it's smart but this is a part of the movie that is not smart at all yeah yeah
2: it's 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 funny because it there is a lot of high-minded um science you know it's true to the science but it's also a little a lot of melodrama that's added into um uh, to make it like a a science
0: science sciency science sci-fi epic yeah this is kind of sciency science yeah (laughs) i like that (laughs) um so basically like they can't tell cooper anymore about these missions until he agrees to be a part of it and also weird because like why who cares i think it's there's not a lot of time spent on him deciding he's going to do it they're just basically like you need to join or we're not going to tell you anymore he obviously is going to join because the plot needs to move forward And so you you need to know what these missions are, and the Lazarus missions are basically they're sending astronauts through this wormhole uh, to potentially habitable planets on the other side in a different uh, solar system, and they they have one final expedition that's going to basically has the chance to uh, through Plan B is like uh, they're going to repopulate by using surrogates and like donor eggs and stuff like that, and Plan A is they're going to Professor Brand's going to figure out the equation to gravity to basically harness it to make massive ships that can move. Yeah. Yeah. So when we move past that he's agreed to go and I think you get a really good scene with like him and Murph where he's Cooper's going to explain to Murph that he's he's leaving. He's going to go on this mission and uh it, it, I I think it's set up well. I think this movie has a lot of set up payoff moments and I love that in movies. I hate it when you set up stuff and there's no conclusion to it. And so they set up the watch in a really good scene where he's basically explaining how relativity works and time is going to move differently for Cooper than it is for Murph. And he's talking about, like, they'll, when he comes back, they'll compare um, the watches. And he's yeah. like, I might be the same age as you. Not she's that. like, what the fuck you even know when you're coming back? I think that sets up her character when time skips forward and she's an adult to kind of, like, she has this anger and this animosity towards him. And also being um, intelligent. You know, yeah. the mm-hmm. fact that, that
2: she picked up really quickly that, um, you know, obviously he'd be gone for a while, but the, the fact that, uh, she put, she took it to the next le- the next
0: step of, uh, uh, thinking about the difference in age of them right now. Right. Was... Yeah. I, I just think it, it sets her up because then she ends up becoming a scientist and works for NASA too. Donald um, has a, has a great scene with, uh, with Michael Caine. Yeah. With Michael Caine. And, uh, he's like, oh, maybe I should, Michael King's like, maybe I should stoke the flame of, of you know, because she's smart and she's intrigued by this. And Donald's like, oh, he's sorry. She's already running circles around her teachers. Maybe Making fools uh, out of her yeah, teachers. she can make a fool out of make you a fool team. out of you. So yeah. I, I love Donald in this. Like, he's so protective and he thinks so highly of Murph. I just want to know, like, I think you, Jane, had mentioned earlier, her acting is so good, the young Murph, um, Mackenzie Foy. Yeah. I think she's great in that scene.
1: Absolutely. I think she's great in every scene she's in in right. this movie.
0: Don't then, make me do this, Murph. Don't make me yeah. do
1: leave like this. Like that yeah. is, because he knows he has to do it. And yeah. Like he, the one person's heart he doesn't want to break is hers. Yeah.
0: Because I think Donald and uh, his son, um, played by Timothy Charlemagne, uh, Timmy, Charlemagne, uh, Tom, they, uh, they seem to understand. Like they get why he's going. Murph is younger. She just sees it as like being abandoned. Yeah. And so her his good Cooper's goodbye with Murph is like much more emotional. And and I think they do. It's just like they're just. Acting their hearts out on the scene in that scene. I think they're both really good in it.
1: I agree with you so much. And like when she uh, realizes, it's like
0: the Morse code says stay, it says stay. And yeah. I love uh, Matthew McConaughey when he's like, I love you forever. That's like mm-hmm. one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I mean, the, it's one of my favorite bits of dialogue, and I, I love the way it's delivered. Yeah, That part sticks out to me. That one line sticks out to me in this film.
2: Mm.
0: I also love uh, Cooper's, he checks under the blanket in the front seat of his car because Murph snuck into the car with him earlier when, when he's going to NASA. Yeah. Yeah. And he checks the blanket again. I was like, oh, my heart. Yeah. It yeah, got me. Right. It, like and he like started a crying right She was there. there. Yeah. Well, he did start crying. Yep.
1: Yeah. So
0: And uh, after that, he gets on the shuttle and they launch. And so that's kind of the... Which well, so I was
1: very happy they just skipped right to that too as well because I don't need... More exposition explaining how they're watching or like when that's all going on, or like them Just like suiting to, up and
0: yeah, like, uh, like uh, mission controls, they're like Which counting happens it down in every
1: and single stuff. space travel movie, and- especially, so
2: especially up. an American film because it's like a celebration of oh, for sure, of, of our history. And this, and I think what the film does nicely here is it's really not about countries, it's about um, it's about existence, it's about sentience in general, you know, it's it's what we we it's it's legacies and choices and 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 human connection in general. So to move beyond that I think is is the point and why it cuts over all of the the stuff that leads up to getting on the shuttle you have a really heart-wrenching um uh crossfade of um of emotion, you know, from from her crying, him crying in the trunk uh in the truck to uh him taking off. You know, it's all it's meant to
0: be be felt simultaneously. Yep. yep. Which is it's I like so that wonderful. you bring up that it's supposed to be, it's kind of, it's not about countries. It's about humanity. It's about humanity. It's about, it's about how do we How do we overcome this? And, and so that's why I I actually, I thought it was weird that they have American patches on their spacesuits. And then whenever they arrive at these camps that are set up on the other planets they are traveling to, they all have uh, like the a Lazarus Amer- mission flag and a U.S. American flag. flag yeah. So I, that's actually a part I, I don't super like because it shouldn't be it's not it's not the way the iss is set up we have so many
2: talented astronauts from other countries you'd imagine that you know i i guess we don't really know the state of the world that really everyone is american um, that's that's a possibility.
1: Yeah, America might have just bombed everyone else. so We would starve. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's a really
2: a really disturbing way of thinking about, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about the way a, this film works. That's not but... how I choose to interpret. Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is yeah, there's too much too much love and
0: hope and uh, and things to think yeah. that like we, have, we only sport everybody. you see is
1: baseball. Just saying.
0: Yeah, not watching
1: soccer or cricket.
0: But I do think it's interesting that you bring it up because because it is it, something I noticed. I thought it was out that they had American flag. On like on their on their gear and stuff like that because it it seems like it's not a it's not a story about the U S succeeding to to save humanity it's about everyone coming together to try and save humanity so yeah yeah it might just be a
2: language thing to be for more mass appeal if we have everybody yeah. with uh that we're not focused on uh, other countries and accents and uh, Michael Caine's
1: not American either so
2: yeah I do love how he and Amelia don't even have the same same <laughs> accent <laughs> right it's like. Why? <laughs> <laughs> that irritates me so much because obviously, I mean, we we talk about how much I love accents and etymology and that types of those types of things. So to have her have like a very very standard American accent, and then um, I'm not sure what Michael Caine's accent is. Yeah. it's not
0: close. Speaking more on Dr. Brand, I like how because she's introduced when they arrive at NASA, and it's it sets up the way her and Cooper are going to interact for a lot of the movie. Because they they aren't close at all, and uh, Cooper's trying to figure out where Murph is because he's in that interrogation room. And Dr. Brand shows up, and uh, she's like, "Oh, she's fine." She's like, "Must have had a had a very smart mother," kind of dogging on Cooper for yeah. being like kind of brash and you know busting in there and everything. So I I like how they're set up because I think that that carries on through the film, and then they end up becoming closer. And I think it's earned because it starts out with them being at odds. Yeah.
1: I'm not um, super huge, huge fan of Anne Hathaway in this movie, but
0: that's the big criticism is it, her performance. I think for a lot of people didn't land. For me, I, I it lands, but and yeah. you,
1: I'm usually huge Anne, Hath- Anne Hathaway fan. Yeah, so
0: yeah, my first time watching
2: it, I right. actually felt the same way. But on the second time, I think she is a really a really good character. She she acts and her acting is really good. Um, that that first scene. I mean, we talked about this. Uh, I think last year um, when we were comparing favorite films, you and I, Connor. Um, about how right. that that was kind of melodramatic about the the love thing. I mean, and I think it still is, but it is by far not um not that bad in compared to everything with Jessica Chastain. The reason that yeah, I didn't notice it the first time is because the score carries all of the dialogue and all of the pretentiousness of those scenes. It, it completely it completely takes over and you don't see that it's
0: all really melodramatic. Right, right, for sure. so goofy. Yeah. We'll get into that more when we get into that section. Do you guys have more comments on kind of what takes place on Earth?
1: Uh, Just real quick, I know that Christopher Nolan grew 500 acres of corn for this movie. Yeah, he did. That's so crazy. It is fucking insane.
0: Yeah, there's really cool shots of the truck driving through all the corn and basically they had like just these big booms set up on the back of other trucks to capture these scenes these like aerial sort of shots yeah it's that all that kind of kind of chase to get the uh the drone is i think it's done so well and it's it's it, it is so like impactful and like you feel like you're in the truck just like the corn thumping against the truck as they do yeah. over the sound design's great yeah I, it feels like we're flying with yeah. it too because of the score yep
2: definitely yeah and it's funny thinking we were talking about how much these cameras cost just thinking about Ah, you know, a $250,000 camera at the end of a stick, driving around
0: 30 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the camera itself was $50,000, and then you can't even film. That's just the body of the camera. In order to film it, you need all the components that go along with it, and that's another 50000 And I was reading uh, they were insured for $500,000 on set. Christopher Nolan, I think they broke three of them over the course of the Dark Knight trilogy. I was also reading that if you just want to rent one for a day, so the fact that the whole film is, is is done on these cameras is kind of amazing to me. And again, that's just kind of Christopher Nolan's clout; like he can just do whatever he wants, I guess. Yeah, it's amazing that the budget was actually only one hundred
2: and sixty-five million. Yeah, right. Despite that, because <laughs> I mean, it's not like they like uh, uh, when we when they talk about rendering the uh, the digi- the digital effects, there were certain frames for the black hole that uh, took a hundred hours to render. Yeah, eight hundred terabytes of data. Un unreal that, that that that
0: this film was only 165 million dollars, which seems like that's an expensive movie. But it is, it, comparing to what you're seeing on screen, it's like how is it this cheap? And there's also there's so many practical sets built. So this doesn't this does have a lot of visual yeah. effects that's done really well. It also has so much practical stuff, which that costs a lot of money too. Like I love the the ships are in the Ranger, that the seats are like on a swivel, so as the ship turns, like they will stay stationary and like all the components move with them um that's a practical set like yeah and what they did they they actually had like a projector with the star field projected on it and it would move along with the scene so even the stuff you're seeing through the window is is real it's there it's are not, sure it's not wasn't even a, a green screen though i think for maybe for some of it i know for there are certain parts where he wanted them to feel like they were in space or they were like approaching the planet and so it's projected out so it, it's like the actors were seeing it i don't know maybe it's um maybe in post they they do edit it and they do it digitally because it would look better, but I know when it's filmed, they have these projectors set up that way. It looked like they were in space, and I think that helps too. Because then it makes the lighting accurate. Yeah, because then it's like, you. It,
2: I mean, it's just it's just harder to go back and make it re- realistic lighting. Right. That's that's all. But yeah, I love the all of those things being practical. They were miniatures, but they really called them max maxatures because the yeah. things were like they were like an eighth the size of of the uh, of the real thing. Right, so they're massive.
0: Yeah, you know they're not
2: they're not something that you can put on a table and call a miniature.
0: Right. Uh, I love the phrase that uh, Peter Jackson used for uh, like the set the miniature for Helm's Deep. There's one that's like a it's like a quarter scale of Helm's Deep. It's humongous. Oh my gosh. And they he, and then there's like the, uh, the Tower the towered Isengard is a, there's a miniature of that, but he he calls them bigotures, which <laughs> I think is it's just a great term. <laughs> that is great. It really it really flows off the tongue. Yeah. Better than maxatures. Yeah. I wasn't gonna call you out on it, but it's well, a- that's what they called it. <laughs> Is that what they used? Yeah, that's oh, that's I that was yeah, a- Like I'm not wrong, Connor. Okay. Like, like <laughs> I thought that was like, I thought wrong. that was a Calvin original.
2: Oh no, yeah, no, that was what they on the set referred to them as. Uh. Huh. But I love to because they made them that way of how how they place the camera, like they place the cameras on the side of uh Coop's truck, um, showing him go behind, uh, as he's driving away from the house, they have so many cameras set up on the side of the, of the ship so you can see out into space, but I love that. It just feels like you're actually, it's not like, it's not this big dramatized, like theater type thing instead. Like it's a lot of like, this is what's happening. This is what they'd be, you know, these are the types of things they'd be able to see. Um, if they were actually in space, you know,
0: those types of perspectives to make you really feel like you're there. I think the idea behind it was they, having the cameras like kind of attached like the hull of the ship or, or right outside is, is this is probably a camera feed that you would see on like the ISS. Like they would have an external camera and this is what you'd be looking at to monitor things. And right. Yeah. Like it's a pragmatic setup rather than something for style for film. Right. Exactly. And I think that, that kind of adds to like we said, this has such a scientific foundation and it's supposed to be taken seriously. It's supposed to be like real. And so the way that the cameras are set up add to that, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have anything else to add to kind of the section that takes place on Earth before Cooper leaves? No, I'm ready to, ready
2: yeah. to move on, honestly. Yeah, I mean, let's, uh, let's go into space here. Yeah, the, yeah, the, and... the Earth stuff is
0: eh, to me. okay. I think the whole thing could happen in space.
1: Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Earth stuff. I think it needs to be in the movie.
0: I, I like. How it, I think it sets everything up well.
1: Yeah, I don't think without it, I don't think it. Uh, the rest of the movie isn't like the The risk is represented as well if we don't have the aspect of the Earth. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I think it sets. Up, I understand. Yeah, like I said, I think it sets the motivation up really well. Um, yeah, so and that's why I think I splitting into like these kind of three acts because they all seem to have a kind of a distinctly different feel. All right, so that uh, bit went a little bit uh, longer than we expected. So we're going to split this one up into three different episodes, uh, covering the three different acts that we mentioned before, kind of all the stuff that we just went over in part one, kind of covering everything on Earth before Coop leaves. Uh, Part two is going to cover most of our action that takes place in space. And then part three is going to kind of dive into uh, what happens inside the black hole and the conclusion of the whole story. So I hope you guys enjoyed part one. Please join us for uh, part two and part three. And uh, thanks again for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.